Hello, hello, hello. This is Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 31st of January. G'day. Hi. What's up? I have just, I, I, my tea's gone cold. I'm wondering why. I, no, 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 no. It's not cold yet, but it is. I just spent like 10 minutes playing piano because I thought that I was going to record a little bit of piano to put at the end of this podcast. But you know what? I'm just not going to, but I would like you guys to know that I've been playing the theme from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Remember when I did the podcast about that? Wasn't that nice? That was like two years ago, a year and a half ago. Mm. Good tea, still a good tea, but yeah, I made the tea a bit ago and uh, and then I went off and played piano for a bit. How are you guys? Huh? You good? Oi, the podcast is finally on a Tuesday. <laughs> I've always been doing it on a bloody Monday. <clears throat> I had a fucking sh- Well, no, you know what? I didn't have a shit day yesterday. I had a shit day on Sunday. <clears throat> I was just feeling a bit poo-poo. Um, and I fucking have got a little bit of a cough, maybe, because on Saturday night we had a house party at mine. I smoked some fucking cigarettes. God damn it. <clears throat> I got all my cigs together that I bought in the last year or so because I went through a period where I was smoking but I was trying to deny the fact that I was smoking so I would buy cigarettes, have them for a night, come home with half a deck, leave them at home because I'm like, I'm not smoking and then I'd be out and I'd be like, I want some cigarettes again so I'd just buy more. So I ended up with like, I had like two decks and two pouches of tobacco and then I was just like, I'm not smoking anymore. I don't want to do it and I want to, chuck these away but they're worth so much money so I don't want to do that so let me give them to someone so I had a friend who's a smoker and I was like oi do you want some free ciggies and shit he was like yeah and I was like all right I'll put them in a bag I got a plastic bag chucked all my ciggies and smoking bits in a plastic bag tied it up and just had it in the corner of my room and I kept forgetting to bring it to him but it was just there in a place that I couldn't see it in like a grey, you know, like one of those grey plastic shopping bags. So I would just forget about it. Because that's why they were in my drawer as well, so that I couldn't look at them, so I just wouldn't even think about smoking. Anyway, it did such a good job of doing that, that when the party started on Saturday night, and I was feeling all stressed about the party leading up to it. It was a, you know, dress up, demons and angels, and I was like, I don't know what my costume's going to be. And then I spent all day Saturday, I like woke up and I was like, right, today I've got to get the costume, went out to get a nun's costume and the fucking mate, the costume shop, you hire a costume, it's 55 bucks for a nun. I'm like, mate, it's demons and angels, it's obscure, but I reckon I can pull together some shit for fucking better than 55 bucks to hire, I don't know, and then you hire it, and then you fucking spill a bit of, bit of wine on it, and they're like, oh, that's $2,000 to clean it, mate, so I went out, and I, I went to some, like, op shops, I'm just walking around trying to get inspired, I saw some red beads, just, like, for around your neck, or your butt, I don't know, mate, what do you do with beads? There were red beads, and I was like, who the fuck's wearing these, but then I was like, red like a demon, huh? Bought the beads and I was like, what if I get red body paint? Looked it up. They do it. It exists. You can get it at Kmart. I'm like, okay, <clears throat> there's a Kmart. I can go there. Um, 
And so I bought the beads. I bought, and I was like, all right, if I do red body paint over my whole body and then I get black like suit pants and suit jacket, it's kind of like werewolfy, werewolfian. Um, <laughs> I hate when people use the suffix Ian, like, you know, to describe like, like Freudian, but like they, uh, they affix it to like words as if that word is like as important as Freud, you know, they're like, like Aiden Jonesian style of comedy. And you're like, mate, come on. No one is fucking thinking about Aiden Jones and the way they're thinking about Freud. And I feel like it's a pretentious suffix anyway. So, uh. I'm thinking about putting a suit jacket and, and, and shorts as like a bit of a werewolfian style of costume and buy those and I'm like, I'll fucking rip them up at home so that the, the jacket doesn't have any, like a, you know, like a vest. I couldn't find a vest. So I was like, I'll just rip up a jacket to make it into a vest. I'll get some pants. I'll cut them up. I'll make them into shorts. I go to Kmart. I buy the fucking red body paint. The red body paint, by the way, comes in a tiny little, like as long as your finger tube in a pack of five of those tubes with like red, black, white, fucking brown and I don't know, magenta. I don't know what the other color was, maybe green or whatever. Comes in a pack of five little ones and uh, they want nine bucks for it and it's called body paint and it's like, what fucking body is that covering, mate? The body of a child? The body of an ant? What is this? (laughs) Body paint for ants? (laughs) <laughs> it needs to be at least three times bigger. Zoolander. Anyway, so I'm looking at that and I'm like, fuck this. But then there's like other poster paint next to it that's like a big tube and it's only two bucks instead of nine bucks. And I look up what poster paint is made out of and whatever the fuck it's called, PT, Pohetra, Kalabi, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, can you use that on your body? And everyone on the internet's going like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, man, look, you can. And if you're reading this, you probably already have. So I reckon you're all sweet. That's like the level of advice. I'm just looking for, I mean, what? <clears throat> it's like, it's not made of mercury, you know? It's poster paint for kids. They're touching it with their fingers. They're probably licking it, you know? Rubbing it on their fucking faces and stuff. Yeah, I reckon it's fine. I just I just made a, a fucking executive decision, you know? Do I care enough about... Basically, do I care enough about not going back to that costume shop with my tail between my legs going, I couldn't find anything, so yeah, can I please have the nun? It just felt like that would have been a defeat to go back and get the nun's outfit. So I was like, fuck this, I'm painting my body red with poster paint from Kmart and a fuck you to Kmart for charging me nine bucks for what is, I think, essentially the same thing. My girlfriend made a good point. It's like when you have cosmetics and it's basically the same shit, but they just put it in like pink packaging and then they go, here you go, it's for girls. So it's like twice the price or like cakes when they go, is it a wedding cake? Yeah. Chuck another hundred bucks on their fuck face. It's just like, because they know in that situation you just need a specific thing. But really, what's the difference between body paint and poster paint? I'm going to say, fuck all. Have they really formulated it to be for skin? Part of the article just put put a layer of moisturizer on your skin before you put the body paint on. So I just did that. I just had a shower and fucking moisturized my whole body, put the paint on. And you know what? 
washed straight off. Wasn't an issue at all. I've got a white bottom bed sheet. I had a shower after like the party before I went to bed. Nary a skerrick of red on my be- bed sheet. So fuck you. Um, anyway, so I did that. <coughs> came home. Had a nap. Watched some stuff on Netflix, you know. Bucked up on my courage. Put the outfit on. Put the paint on. Had the party, got ready, people started showing up. And then my mat, and I'm like feeling, you know, all the stress from the day. Finally, I'm starting to relax because everyone's here from the party and I've been stressed about it. I think all week I was stressed about the party, just going like, is this going to be good? You know, is this going to be, do I want to have a party? I guess we just hadn't really planned for it that much and it was hard. Like we had a fucking DJ lined up, but then he had to pull out because he had some stuff going on and that was fair. But then we had to get the decks and it was just all a lot. I don't know, man. Having a party is just stressful. And uh, so then people started showing up and it was started to be like, yeah, this is a good night. This is great. And I was like, man, I actually wouldn't mind a cigarette. And I haven't thought about that for like, I think I smoked like a month ago, had one or something, maybe at the wedding, maybe two months ago at the wedding in November or something. But yeah, I was just like, I wouldn't mind a cigarette. And my mate got here who coincidentally was the friend who I had offered those cigarettes to. And I, he was rolling one. And I was like, dude, can I have a cigarette? And he was like, man, why you got fucking cigarette? Why don't you? And I was like, oh, shit. That's right. In my fucking gray plastic bag in my room. Ran inside and grabbed him, pulled him out, gave him the rest. Had myself a few. And yeah, I smoked them. So that's why I'm coughing. I feel kind of shit now. <clears throat> I had to undo the bag, you know, that I'd tied up thinking I was never going to open it again, like some kind of cancer-inducing time capsule. But, uh, yeah, mate, the party was good. The tunes were good. I was a little bit skeptical because my housemates were saying they're going to be playing insert name of genre I've never fucking heard of, you know, like like fucking hyperpop. I think one of them was literally hyperpop. I'm like, what the fuck is hyperpop? That just sounds like a... Like, if the, if people in the 50s were trying to predict what music was going to be like in the year 2023, they would have been like, you know, future punk. Or well, punk wasn't even a thing then. Hyper Elvis. Lightspeed Bo Radley. <laughs> Spaceship jazz. <laughs> Space jazz. You know, moon, um, (laughs) Beethoven on Mars. (laughs) Yeah. Um, hyperpop is evidently a real fucking genre of music and I just resent that. I don't like it and I think I resent it because I've never heard of it and then here's a bunch of people who are just talking about it like it's the most normal thing in the world i'm like it's not the most normal thing in the world because i'm normal and if that's normal that means i'm not normal and i resent that it makes me feel unsafe oh baby so yeah yeah good party on saturday night still left me feeling drained at about 1 30 i was starting to think you know i'm getting tired here i want to wash this fucking red paint off of my off of my body <laughs> you know what that's going to be the photo this week is going to be me 
in the photo that I sent to my girlfriend when I just I took a selfie of me as a as a devil with the suit pants and jacket that I cut up with scissors and ripped up and then the red poster paint all over my body with my fucking beard and shit and I took a photo and I was like I want to be like spooky so I did like me going like Arr! you know with like claws or whatever I took a selfie like that and sent that to my girlfriend and uh oh, that's going to be the photo for this week <coughs> And uh, I think the title is going to be um, maybe red poster paint or maybe I, I want to ro- wash this red poster paint off my body. Is it? Nah, that's not quite it. Spooky devil, demons and angels, demons and angels. That's a good title for the yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. This podcast this week is called Demons and Angels. Um, the uh, Yeah, the party was cool. But about 1.30, I was just like, I'm fucking pretty tired. But then there were still people and I didn't want to kick everyone out. And I didn't want to, <clears throat> I don't know, I just, yeah, I didn't want to go up to my other my other housemate who was kind of like still up and still enjoying it to be like, hey, I'm going to bed. This is all on you now, you know? So, um, yeah, I just stayed, had another beer, had another few beers and alcohol-free beers, by the way. Ended up going to be- bed at like 3 which I think was good. That's a good kind of time to to wrap it up. And then I slept in till like 12. And the only thing I had to do on Sunday was <clears throat> because my stepdad is adopting me so that his dad was born in the UK can be my grandfather so I can get a five-year ancestry visa for the UK so that I can move there and be with my girlfriend, right? This is all part of a long thing that's very important to me and so it feels like there's a lot of pressure on me getting this kind of work done the adoption the step that we're up to is we've had a meeting this week with the social worker who's kind of leading the way in terms of like letting us know what we need to do and all the documents that we need etc etc me and my dad separately had meetings with her and she's in Perth so we had like video call meetings with her on Friday and basically the situation is I'm in Perth until the 12th and I need to, or that my dad to adopt me needs to file all the paperwork and have it with the family court in Fremantle while I'm still in the state. I need to be present in the state of Western Australia when that all gets filed. And uh, I'm there until the 12th for the Perth Fringe, so that's when it needs to be in by and my dad's in Kalgoorlie. So all the documents need to be with my dad physically. So my mom and I need to sign our documents and our affidavits and send them to dad and he needs to get them. And then he needs to get them together and send them to the family court. So they arrive at the family court by post from Kalgoorlie no later than the 12th of February. And it just, yeah, it's like, it's not a lot of time. We had the meeting on Friday with the, with the, social worker we've essentially got two weeks to get all this done so on sunday after the party and after fucking having that stress and then enjoying it i had to wake up and write <coughs> affidavits because like my mum and dad could do it but like i'm the one who this needs to be done for i'm the main person kind of leading this process so i feel like i have a bit of responsibility to make it as easy as them for them as possible so i've taken the responsibility of like right i'm going to write the affidavits now 
I didn't know what an affidavit was until this week, but what it is, is it's a, a document that you, it's evidence for the court. So you make a statement that's legally admissible as evidence in lieu of going into the court physically and giving evidence in person. So I had to write affidavits basically saying to like prove the conditions for adoption, which is that my dad, we had a father son relationship um, in the years before I turned 18 and also that it would be in my best interest for my dad to adopt me now as like an adult, that it would be in my best interest. And the, the evidence for that is just that he was my dad. So I had to write my life story. That's my affidavit basically is just that uh, my mom met my biological father in South America and she came back to Australia and he couldn't come. So they decided to stop talking and he wasn't a part of my life. And then my mom met my dad when... <clears throat> when I was two and he moved in with us and they had my little brother when I was four and he was my dad and it's just like accepted all of those responsibilities and they were together until I was 23. So for my whole childhood and the reason that the adoption would be in my best interest is because they've split up, but I still want him to be legally recognized as my dad. And that's my affidavit, right? That's from my perspective. But then I had to write it from my dad's perspective as well. So like I met Aiden's mum when Aiden was two and his father biologically wasn't in Australia and he wasn't around and Aiden never met him. And so I accepted the role of Aiden's father and raised him as my son. And when him and his, when me and his mother had uh, another son that was Aiden's brother and they were equally my sons, you know? And like to write that from my dad's perspective, I just never really thought about exactly what it was that he did for me and like how, I mean, it's a huge thing. Like I've, I have thought about that, but I guess just to write it from his perspective, something that I've noticed recently in comedy when I tell these stories about my family is that often the comedy comes from seeing the joke and the story from another person's perspective and understanding the way that I'm behaving and how that kind of it, it would be experienced by someone else. Um, and so writing an affidavit for my dad was just an exercise in that, you know, and how my childhood that I experience and have a lot of feelings about would be experienced by him and all those years that he took care of me. And so I had to, I, I wrote my mum's first. I wrote it from her. And again, like her, you know, I met this man in Colombia and then I came back to Australia, found out I was pregnant and uh, he couldn't come to Australia. So we decided to stop talking and communicating at all. And then I'm actually feeling kind of emotional even talking about this now, to be honest. I feel some kind of feeling in my chest that feels very intense and the pain's not strong, but I can definitely feel it there as I talk about it. Um, yeah. So from my mum's perspective, so uh, yeah. And then I met Aiden's stepfather when I was two and he moved in and then we lived together as a family and he assumed the role of Aiden's father. And then, we had uh, our other son when Aiden was four and they equally were brothers and were Aiden's dad. I'm trying not to use names here. Aiden's stepdad, he was equally a father to both of them for their whole life. And now that he and I have split up, Aiden still wants to retain that father-son relationship as does his 
dad and so that's that's why they're getting this adoption um to write that in my mum's perspective kind of made me realize what that would have been like for it made me think about what that would have been like for her for those two years to just be me and her and she was going to university and trying to work and provide for us and then she met my dad and that would have been like really exciting and a relief to her and such a joy to be able to have a father in her son's life and so I wrote those from both my mum and dad's perspective and then I called them each and spoke to them about it and asked if they thought that it was fair what I'd written and true and if they wanted to change anything and it was just really intense and I woke up at midday from the party and knew that that was all I had to do that day that and then go and do a gig at night so I gave myself all day to do it but I still didn't really prepare myself for just how emotionally involved and draining that was going to be and um yeah, it just took a toll, man. It it drained me and uh, it just left me feeling really flat and a bit sad and kind of empty. Um, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it also left me feeling very grateful to both of my parents and grateful to them to be going through this experience with me as well. But, you know, by and large, just fucking drained and, and kind of yeah, without any capacity to have emotions still. Oh, God. So I went on and did my gig and I haven't been writing really many new jokes and so I just went on and I fucking <laughs> talked about that and how funny it is that I didn't expect that to be draining because I told a friend at the gig, I was like, didn't expect that to be draining and my mate was like, what are you fucking talking about, dude? Of course that was going to be draining. <sighs> yeah. That's what it's been like this week. It's been kind of draining this week. I just feel very drained from everything that I've done. I applied for a loan and got a loan on Friday because of this year. Everything that I'm doing is very expensive and I think a lot of the money just needs to go out now. So I've got like a $5,000 loan from Commonwealth Bank so that I can pay for some of the things that are coming up. My best mate's getting married. I want to book accommodation for that in July. Um, I've got some dental work that I'm going to get done in March. I've booked in for that so I can finally get this fucking root canal that I've been waiting for like literally fucking maybe since like 2015. <laughs> it was when it was initially hinted at that I might need to get a root canal and I've just never got it. Oh my God. Um, yeah, just a bunch of money stuff. I feel really good about having gone in to get a loan. I've just, I've always avoided that and resented that, having to have that responsibility. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm doing it. Sat there with a fucking dude from the bank for 45 minutes, going through my finances and then signed a bit of paper to be like, yep, got accepted for a loan at like 16% interest, which I'm just like, fuck you. You know, like, fucking whatever. All these demons, mate. All these demons. All these demons on the shoulder. Where are the angels? What are the angels? The, sh the pod's called Demons and Angels. How can I talk about that? I've got the demons there. The anxiety about the party. The anxiety about the fucking... The adoption. The anxiety about the bank and being scared because that's what the anger is, isn't it? It's being scared that I'm not going to be able to pay back the loan. And the angels... I guess, are the other people. 
my parents being available to help me through this process and wanting to go through it with me. It's pretty cool, isn't it? That even though really there's no kind of material need for my dad to adopt me, as soon as I suggested it to him, he was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's incredible, right? Like, I'm fucking, I'm 32 next week. I'm 32 next week, by the way. Next time you listen to this podcast, my birthday's on Sunday. By the, the next time you guys listen to this podcast, I'm going to be 32. <sighs> when I'm 32, my dad, you know, I've not lived with the guy for 10 years. My parents split up seven years ago. So... In all practical terms, you know, you could argue that his role as my father has ended, except that it hasn't at all. Um, and the older I get, the clearer it becomes to me that being someone's parent, you know, like that fucking, that never goes away. It never ends. They're always your, they're always your dad. Oh, that's really nice, isn't it? Here, you know what I'm going to do, actually? I'm going to read... A bit of this article that I read today um, that links into this. You know what? Actually, this is scary. I'll fucking... Oh. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to say that out loud. I don't know. I've just been... <laughs> last night... Um, last night, I did a gig at the Bergie Seltzer um, in Brunswick. And it was fucking awesome because again, like Sunday I went on stage and I just kind of let it all fly, you know? Um, but it didn't really connect. I just, I still felt like I was a bit anxious or maybe just emotional. And like I said, flat from the feelings that I was having all day. So I did the gig and the gig was all right. And actually yesterday, a couple friends came up to me and they said that it was a great set on Sunday and that it really brought the room up, which was good. And I, I felt connected to the audience, but I didn't feel like I really connected with the stuff that I was trying to say. But I think something that I used to do a lot more when I was a, a younger comic was I would go on stage. I, I really, I think I've always used stand-up as a way to kind of vent and process my feelings from the day if the feelings are too strong like I'm a big believer in just getting on stage as much as you can almost every night like if you can get on stage every night you should and you should force yourself to even when you're not ready because sometimes you're ready you've been writing in the day and that's great but sometimes you haven't but you still got to go on stage and there's that anxiety of knowing that you don't have anything to say and forcing yourself not to just go back to the old stuff but to try and make something new often creates great things. And I think when I was younger, I used to do that a lot more. I wouldn't have jokes ready or I would have been sitting looking at my notebook all day and not knowing what I wanted to say. And then the time to go on stage comes and I'm like, fuck, I've got to say something here. So I would just say what I was feeling because often it happens that the feelings you're having in the day are so strong that you can't think about the jokes that you want to write and the feelings you can't figure out what's funny about them or what jokes you could write about them. So you just, even though you sit down and try and write stuff, you're just too, you're too distracted and wrapped up in the other shit to be able to actually come up with something productive. So that used to happen quite a bit and I would just go on and talk about the feelings and I haven't done it 
in a while. Maybe I'm getting better at managing emotions. Maybe I'm getting a bit more kind of diligent with the work and able to just do the work of writing jokes. And maybe my career is taking a higher priority now as it becomes more tied up with like the, the money that I'm able to earn. It's just more important that I write those jokes. Whatever it is, I haven't done that in a while. And last night and the night before, I felt like that was the first time in, I don't know, man, I, I can't remember the last time in Melbourne anyway, that I've just gone on stage and just gone, I have feelings and I'm just going to sit with those and try and share those with the audience. And even if it's not that funny, I, I really think like if if you're being honest and just going, this is what I'm experiencing today and this is how I feel, I really think audiences are receptive to that or maybe... Audiences in Melbourne are definitely receptive to that, which is where my kind of growth as a comedian has mostly been. So uh, did it on Sunday and they listened and they engaged, even if it wasn't that funny. And then last night did the same thing. And last night the feelings were different. I think last night I'd gone through a lot of the feelings with, um, you know, like I'd already talked about that the night before with, with my parents. And so I just started talking about my girlfriend and how I miss her. And I just I was talking about like how I, um, I, uh, I'm not going to say it, but you know, the words that I mean, that I care about her a lot and a lot and I miss her and I just want to tell her all of that stuff. And as much as you say those things on a video chat, you can't really express fully and there's some point where after I've said all the words that I can say, all I want to do is just fuck, you know, like be physical in that way. But you can't because she's not here. And um, I was talking about that on stage in a very graphic way and enjoying just being like gratuitously overly graphic with it. And that was getting the laughs. I was like, I can't figure out whether I'm more pent up Um like emotionally or like with calm inside my body. <laughs> you know, I can't figure out if I want to like <laughs> A or B, emotional thing or sexual thing. I'm not going to fucking say it right now because that's, that's for the stage. But um, yeah, I think you know what I, I mean. So I was saying that stuff last night. And I've just been thinking a lot about the future and I don't even know, you know, fucking whatever. Anyway, here's an article now that I've been talking about me as a kid and my relationship with my parents. And um, I read this article this morning in The Guardian. Uh, it's just, it's an opinion piece, which I love that The Guardian do these because they're basically just jokes. They're just silly, fun articles. The title is, If you're up all night with a newborn, why not try these activities by Ben Jenkins? Subheading, muttering odd things, doom scrolling social media, or simply going insane are just some of the fun things you can entertain yourself with in the early hours. Here's the intro. Congratulations on your brand new bub. If you're anything like us, your newborn is keeping you busy, busy, busy in the day and awake, awake, awake at night. While completely normal, these sleepless nights can take their toll but they don't have to be all doom and gloom. Here are some things to do while you're up and about. And I just loved the tone of this article, man. Read the first paragraph of a novel 70 times is one of them, blah, 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 blah. Scroll social media in a state of near catatonia until you accidentally drop your phone on your baby's head. 
That's really funny. That's really funny. This one made me laugh though. Work out what plastic is made of so your four-year-old doesn't scream at you in the morning. Uh, I'm going to read this paragraph here. The middle of the night is a good time to work on stuff for yourself, but it's more important to remember the needs of others. If, for example, your four-year-old son, who is not coping very well with the arrival of this little brother, has asked you yesterday what plastic was made out of, and you said oil, because that's something you heard on a podcast, and then he asked, what do you mean by that? And then you realized you didn't really know what you meant by that, but you were in too deep, and so you just sort of sheepishly mumbled oil again. And this caused him to go absolutely ballistic at you, which seemed a little unfair in your opinion. But of course, this isn't really about what plastic is made out of. It's because you and his mother just ruined his life. If that happened, then you can use this time in the small hours to try and understand what exactly polymerization is and how you'd best go about explaining that to a four-year-old who hates you. (laughs) Fuck, man. That's good writing. You know what I like most about that? It's all one sentence. It's all one sentence, but it's coherent. And it really captures the frantic, tired, just desperate energy of this guy and this whole fucking art. It's fantastic writing. Um, and then here's the one, one after that that just fucking... That, that first one was like, okay, this dude's funny. This guy's a great writer. And then the next one just absolutely crushed me. <laughs> look at your baby, comma, mutter odd things. Take some time to look at your brand new bub and mutter some stuff to yourself that were you to mutter them on public transport would probably cause people to move away from you. A whole universe in those eyes. Is one such thing you can whisper in the dark while you look at the baby? A life where there was nothing before is another there are no rules about what you can mutter, but a good guide is, would Ralph Fiennes on Red Dra- in Red Dragon scream this at someone glued to a wheelchair? If the answer is yes, mutter away. <laughs> yeah, very good. Look into whether babies can go to jail for this. Unfortunately, your baby not sleeping despite being gently wrapped in a cuddly swaddle and sung to nonstop between the hours of 3.30am and 5am is not in violation of any current state or federal laws. (laughs) However, Googling Sue Baby No Sleep and Baby Caught for Bad Baby can be a fun and cathartic distraction. All right. Okay. Let's Google... <laughs> Sue baby no sleep. Fuck, this is going to be sick. Google. <laughs> um Oh, the it's just another Guardian article. I was losing my mind. Can baby sleep gurus really help exhausted parents? Fuck off. Help, will my baby sleep through the night? Sue Atkins. Sue Atkins parenting coach. To the losers who haven't sleep trained their baby. No co sleeping hold baby while she has fallen asleep and down to sleep in the crib. Whatever. No, no, no. I'm going to Google. Can you sue your baby for not sleeping? Children and family law. (laughs) 
Under Australian law, children have a right to enjoy a meaningful relationship with both their parents and to be protected from harm. A court is required to give greater weight to the consideration of the need to protect children from harm. Great. Okay. Look, this isn't a bit... All right, what about this? Can you sue a baby? Negligence claims. Today, most states limit the ability to sue children for negligent ACTS if the act was intentional. However, the child most likely can be sued as long as he or she is old enough to form intent. Right. So you have to be able to prove that your baby is old enough to form intent. <sighs> I think this is a fucking dead end, you know? I mean, maybe if you look in your kid's eyes, a whole universe inside those eyes, a whole universe... Which, of course, includes the intent to harm. <sighs> Funny article, hey? Funny stuff. Demons and angels. Maybe that's the angel. A baby. Maybe the angels are my parents. Maybe the angels are the friends we made along the way. I don't fucking know, mate. All I know is that I had a kind of trash day on Sunday. And it was hard. But it was hard for a good reason. Um... I had a slightly better day yesterday. I felt a little bit sad. Like last week, actually. Same as last week. But, you know, I'm going through it, man. I hope you guys are going through it. I hope you're feeling good. Thank you to the people who have been writing lately. I really appreciate it. You're keeping me alive. Both in a kind of metaphorical sense and in a very real and genuine sense. Which you're all aware of. You know, you're, you know, you understand our, our agreement, our pact. This is a pact. This isn't a podcast. It's a pact. It's a death spiral that we're locked, entwined in every Tuesday forever. And as I take the last gulp of tea, I bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast this week, you guys. I hope you're doing good wherever you're at. I hope you're going through your shit. Um, yeah, that's been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Thank you very much. Bye.